Hey there, and welcome to the Good Kind Podcast. At Good Kind, we are all about helping people cultivate the good kind of habits and holiday practices that allow them to engage with God and one another throughout the year. To learn more about us and the products we make, go to www.goodkind.shop and follow us on social media. We hope you enjoy today's episode of the Good Kind Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Good Kind Podcast. Uh, my name is Clayton Green, which I apparently almost forgot there for a second, and I'm here with two of my friends, Brian Turney and Chris Paparardo. What's up, guys? How you doing? Hey. Morning, Clayton. I would never forget you. Yeah, oh, thank you. So sweet. <laughs> um, guys, today we are we're, we are doing again part of our mini series called uh, "Making Spiritual Practices Stick." I think that's what we call it. We're 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 going through a bunch of different uh, kind of habit science things um, that help you be more consistent with habits, and we're applying it in spiritual practice, right? So environment matters for how consistent you're going to be with uh, a new habit you're creating. Uh, a tangible thing can remind you to do it. Uh, how easy it is uh, makes it more you more consistent at doing a spiritual practice. We're kind of going through all of those different ones. Chris, so far, what's been your your favorite one? My favorite out of all of them has been the timing uh, one because it it um, it was I, I didn't know what we were getting into when we started. I basically was like, yeah, I know that when you start something matters, and then you brought in this like really heady stuff, and I just actually talked to my mom last week who was listening to it. It was like, wow, that was man, that was a deep dive. So um, whenever you're quoting, whenever you're quoting James K. Smith, I mean, it just it kind of. It gets you underground almost. Brian, which one has been your favorite of the the different ones? Uh, environment, tangible, easy, timing. You can double down with Chris. Uh, I think easy has been fun. <clears throat> yeah, I like that one. I thought we had a good convo and um, just helpful to be reminded of. It doesn't have to be as hard as we we often try to make it. Oh, so. totally. Yeah. And my my favorite so far has been uh, the environment one space. We're talking about like the actual physical space that you're you're in. Um, it was my favorite before we started. And it's, it's still my favorite. But what you said there, Brian, is super interesting for today. Today we're talking about playfulness. Uh, you said you said easy makes it fun. I will say a quote later that uh, fun is a surrogate for easy. Uh, that that sometimes mm, there's going to be some overlap in these things. That making something easier makes it more likely that it can be fun the more complex something is the harder it is for that thing to be fun and so and also admittedly playfulness you know if you pick up a book on creating habits it's probably not going to have a chapter in it on playfulness we are intrigued by this idea of playfulness because of a couple different reasons uh one we are ourselves playful everybody on the good kind team is playful chris you write playfully um, and so that's that makes us trend that direction, and it also has helped us. Second point: include our families more. I mean, all, right. all of uh, the three of us—we have elementary age and a middle schooler, Brian, um, kids—and so there is a playfulness that is natural, a childlikeness that is naturally pre- predisposes to play. Right? That's how they do their work is is play until a certain point when we teach it out of them, which is what we'll we'll talk about here. Huh. Here today a little bit so i went through read a couple different books on play and fun felt like i was kind of 
uneducating myself. Because here's the the big thing that all of these books on playfulness and fun say is essentially we're too serious and we work too much. And those two things like feed on each other. And I am, I am speaking specifically on um, the culture in America where it's like you work so much, you're so serious, you got to be serious to be respected, to work more. And there's just kind of this stacking on top of each other that makes everyone too serious. It, Chris, is that what everybody else is doing? And we've just, we've avoided it and we're still playful. What's going on here? Explain your experience of work and fun and play. Yeah, this reminds me of um, a pivotal moment in my dating relationship with Jen when I was quite a bit more playful and silly. This was back in college. We were all sillier then, right? Yeah. And um, there came a moment. I had I had this habit of going to Goodwill and buying random stuff and wearing it just to be like, look, appearances don't matter. I'm silly. So I think one day I was wearing a white pleather vest, no shirt underneath, and some green Santa Claus pants. Mm-hmm. And uh, it looked as absurd as it sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had half a beard at the time because I had shaved just the right half and the left half was still there. So I looked a sight. And uh, Jen, who very much loved me at the time and loves me still, she said to me, she was like, I think you might need to choose between people thinking you're funny and people taking you seriously. <laughs> and it really hurt my feelings. But she was absolutely right because you, there is a line somewhere where you could just be totally absurd and people are like, this person is just a grown-up child. Um, so I've modulated down, but I, I think I think I've kept a piece of that alive. And I think just about everybody in my life could use to be more playful and more silly more often yeah. as grown-ups. I don't think they would lose their rapport or authority necessarily i if there's a if there's a spectrum i think more people are taking themselves too seriously and not gaining connection because of that than they are being too silly in the workplace and therefore oh my gosh you can't take him seriously i can't you know because he's wearing a santa hat you know yeah no and i i think what you're saying there is like the pendulum of swinging from fun playful to serious you don't want to go too far right and but also it is a reasonable point to say that kids or people in college at a certain point you do have to make the choice of like if if the playfulness of a seven-year-old continued it would do something there's something missing in the maturity but we don't want it to swing too far i'm so glad that you brought up the fact that you had shaved one side of your beard and not the other because i was going to bring it up if you didn't and then i also wanted to bring up the fact that brian has retained playfulness in that he did the same thing with his hair he has shaved one side of his head. <laughs> wow. Really, really long. <laughs> like, he, Brian, you got the, tell us how, uh, how playful that is. <laughs> Wait, what? Um, yeah, so playful. Um, so trendy or he, I don't know. I think yeah. he's more, yeah, he's more stylish. Like this is style, not play. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm trying to playful. Be. It's in control though. That's right. Um, no, I think this is a good. I mean, it's a good topic for me. I I think I've noticed more recently in the last couple of years. Um, um, as I get older and my kids get older, uh, less willingness to be playful. Um, and so, um, I think there's a. I don't know. There's there's a natural like squeezing out of the playfulness uh, that life does to you sometimes. Yeah, and it's something you kind of have to fight for and um, continue to come back to. Um, cause it, I think it does, there's a natural 
kind of releasing of playfulness that just kind of goes away over time if you if you aren't intentional about it. Well, there's and there are a lot of good things about playfulness. What were you going to say, Chris? I was going to ask Brian. Do you do you think it's a matter of of life stressors like gradually weighing on you, or you mentioned kids? So when you have young young kids, you got to be silly because you're playing with a baby. But yeah, maybe it's just the people around you. You kind of match where they are. What do you think? Yeah, it's a good question. I do. I haven't thought too much about it. I think. Um, I, I mean, I do think there's like as you get older, there's more responsibilities, more things yeah. to think about. More like for me, I kind of drift away in my mind a lot of times worrying about things anxiety is a thing that I I kind of deal with and um you know it, it there's a, a lack of presence then when your mind is on other right. things or you're worrying about the future and then if you're not present it's hard to be playful I think and so mm-hmm. um I think it all, it all kind of ties together a little bit yeah yeah the pr- protection um thinking about the future those are really good things um in the uh, perfectionism doesn't leave space for playfulness. That's that's one of the mm-hmm. quotes from the book, The Power of Fun by Catherine Price that really stuck out yeah. at me. Now, but the perfectionism is not going to plague everyone, but she also gives like a kind of a decent understanding of what trends us in that direction. She said, we think that if we're focused on fun, we're not paying enough attention to the world's problems or doing enough to help other people. That's good. I have to be so serious because there are really bad things, right? But she then goes on to say, life is not a zero-sum equation. We can care about fun and be conscientious citizens who are committed to improving the world. Indeed, fun can give us more energy with which to do so. She's kind of talking about like, hey, there there can be a range of emotions. And just because some things are really bad doesn't mean that we have to then say everything is always really bad, right? So she's saying it's the like, Things are difficult in the world. Things need to be fixed. And so we tend away from playfulness because then we're not taking all those things seriously. I think that's that I'm probably going to go read this book because it sounds so intriguing. My guess is that's us justifying the fact that we don't make room for fun and play. I don't think that's the real reason. Okay. Because even people with really serious jobs who are like consumed with the horrors of the world, which there's plenty. And I, I think that's that's legitimate. You need to look at that. Like, wow, I, I don't even need to start listing it, right? Like, you, right. you could stay right in your own neighborhood and say there are people hurting really badly. And in light of that, how in the world can we ever be silly? I, but I don't know anybody who's so consumed by that that they don't watch stupid videos or scroll through Instagram. Like, there's a release and a silliness somewhere in their lives, and they may feel guilty about it. But I, I think it's just it's part of the full emotional range like when you have kids you can't just be consumed all the time with i'm at a really stressful job that's really high stakes and people's lives are at stake um because at some point you have to interact with your child and that's that'll wear them out you know you got to be yeah with the kid so yeah that, and that makes sense um Brene brown um one of the chapters in her book imperfect she talks about cultivating play and rest and <laughs> All you need is the subtitle to the chapter, letting go of exhaustion as a status symbol and productivity as self-worth. So there's like, there's, she's there's so like, she's so good. It's like, we are, you're exhausted. You're, we're, Brian, we're worried. We're, because, and she, so she's making the case there because we are pursuing status, wealth, pr- protection, security. We're trying so hard to get those things for ourselves 
that it, it blocks out any opportunity for rest and playfulness. Well, she's putting, interestingly, rest and playfulness in the same category. Chris, you've said the word release a couple of times when thinking about play. Yeah. Uh, when we talk about Sabbath on our team, we say stop and enjoy, right? There is kind of a, a marriage of those two things that uh, a lack of an ability to rest now we're putting together is also correlating to our inability to play that putting those things together is really and I'm, I'm i have to kind of regularly work on um giving myself time to have hobbies that i've not made into businesses i take fun hobbies <laughs> turn them into businesses because i'm doing this right i'm creating like yeah. self, self-worth um people thinking highly of me i mean all those types of it's almost like that is that right is that closer to what you would say chris is the root there is like my like trying to make much of myself, protect myself, build who I am and and what what I'm doing that is limiting those things. Are we getting closer? Yeah, I I imagine there's a lot of there's a lot of streams feeding into this, but what you're hitting on there seems to be this idea that um, if if we if we define ourselves by what we produce or what we do, then something that's not useful becomes completely like you cut it out of your lives altogether and things that you do that are fun and playful, you can't ever point to a a tangible use for them. And so they become some of the first things to go on the chopping block. Um, what, but the, the downside is that makes your life very like two dimensional. It's, it's not, it's not a way to actually live. And it all comes from like the lie that you, you are what you produce, which is, yeah, we should as, as gospel believers, we should recognize that that's not the case. Yeah, I think it's interesting to think about, um, you know, playfulness not being like a a value maybe within like the status world and as you're trying to move up and, you know, level up or, or appear a certain way. Um, and, and then thinking about the role of friendship and community in that where it's like how many of these safe relationships or safe places do we have where it's like I can show up authentically playful and it's okay versus like I'm meeting somebody new I don't I don't necessarily want to portray playfulness you know it's not a value that the world often carries um as something like oh yeah that's that's a good thing <laughs> you know it's like we want to be serious we want to show that we're thoughtful or smart or whatever um and so it's it's kind of interesting like having and as you get older having those safe you know friendships and like meaningful connections I feel like becomes harder and so maybe there's some correlation there where if we don't have these safe places to just be ourselves, it's harder to to kind of express our our playfulness, yeah, in, in really healthy and beautiful ways. One of the things that I've I've been fascinated with as we've talked through all the different elements is how they kind of feed back on each other. That reminds me of when we talked about my favorite podcast so far, the space one, like what you're doing with the actual room that you're in. Uh, what do they call them? Behavioral settings. Like in certain behavioral settings, you are a certain way. It is like Jen's correction to Chris was didn't I'm positive did not happen at a Halloween party right right because what you were wearing (laughs) at least appropriate for that yeah but if you if you wore that to class or you wore that to work it it does so Brian you're you're now putting in there like the environment but the people that are in the environment have an effect on the environment and have an effect on you and have an effect on what is meant to be appropriate or what it is like and, and but it seems as if maybe as we get older we are we uh we create fewer and fewer spaces where we can have rest and where we can have play 
and I, that's that's um i think we want to kind of make sure that we're not swinging the pendulum too far there what were you gonna say chris i just wanted to repeat what brian said because i love this so much and i want him to hear that i thought it was insightful and i want to remember it myself i think there is a strong correlation between being able to play and having really authentic deep relationships friendships or family relationships that i imagine the two rise or fall together right because if you're not if you're not in a safe deep relationship with somebody you're not play is risky you look you look kind of silly yeah and you there's a vulnerability in it yeah yes yes you need i think that's the that's the word brian but the but that vulnerability is the through line that you have to have vulnerability in both to play well and really know somebody well so that's why they would rise and fall together and and what's cool about that is like that it if you are in a trusting enough relationship to be playful it shows that there's an amount of vulnerability but the play itself in giving more vulnerability actually can be a feed forward positive it's towards the community sure, it, does. So it, yeah. it, it so it's like the playful and which is why then it becomes really important in spiritual practice that you're that you're that that feed forward mechanism there is kind of helping the vulnerability itself is good like is a good practice the community is something that is necessary and and it's all kind of feeding feeding it itself there uh it I, I will double down on you guys on what is um kind of what the problem is uh it's it's pretty interesting uh in the this uh the fun habit different book but it 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 points to work ethic but it it gives a pretty interesting root of the work of it it says in the united states and europe most of us have been marinated in the old protestant work ethic mm. The spiritual underbelly of the American dream. That's a quote. The spiritual underbelly of the American dream is the old Protestant work ethic. Hard work is a virtue. To the Puritans, success defined not just our self-worth, but our spiritual worthiness. Your literal soul was in the balance. In this context, hard work has its output become very serious business. And if your work is holy, that makes distraction from work, a.k.a. fun, not worthless but evil and then it, it so now we're talking about like trying to be playful in spiritual practice and they're saying now not a christian book right but they're saying it's actually sometimes it this sounds like the pharisees right it's like hey you've got you're you're uh do more perform more don't be don't be silly because it, it isn't that interesting it's that's the like the religious version of what you mentioned earlier which is how can you you know, spend an hour being silly and playing a board game with your kids with war going on in the world. Yeah. Like they, you ha- and um, it just adds the religious element, which really heightens it. But And it wasn't just the one book. The, in Stuart Brown, in his book, Play, he says, at some point, as we grow older, however, we are made uh, to feel guilty for playing. We are told that it is unproductive, mm-hmm. a waste of time, even sinful. So this is two different authors kind of pointing out the fact that, like, there is this worthness that we feel with our work ethic that almost borderlines on worthiness which becomes a lot more spiritual in terms of my identity my like who i am and that keeps us uh, away from those things so like how in the world could we do we actually make that then a, a part of our our spiritual spiritual practice but it's it's helpful Here, let me make the case that it's it's needed in spiritual practice so um, play is, is, I'm going to list a couple of different things. Play 
fosters empathy. Play increases creativity. Play makes you feel more alive. Playing sustains sustains social relationships. Um, play uh, diminishes your consciousness of self. It increases your humility. Uh, here's a huge one. Play, play, um, is the memories that most memories we have are tied to fun, are tied to play. So it's actually the things that we remember over the long time usually involve play. Uh, play is restorative. It we talked about release, right? It it increases resilience. And here's one that you'll love. Play makes you fully present. You can't play without being centered in the moment. It's very hard to play when you're anxious about the next moment. So take all of those different things that like come out of being playful and having fun with people. And I say, well, shouldn't we insert that into spiritual practice? It sounds like that's going to be really helpful. Certainly. So the question then is, uh, do we do we just say the social scientists um, suggest there's a lot of benefit to this and therefore we ignore Christian tradition, which is anti-play? Or is there... No. Is there a Christian... Tell us how we do both. Is not being... Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you mentioned... I, for me, you know, there's a lot of different avenues to a playful mindset. The one that keeps me coming back to it most often, it, you already mentioned is the humility, diminished yeah. consciousness of self. I don't know if, I guess they feed on each other, like playing can make you feel more humble, but I, I tend to think humility is the root of playfulness. That if you see, if you are small in your own eyes, if you are not taking yourself too seriously, you're in a position to play. And um, that is a that is a good thing. Proud people can never be silly enough can never let themselves go enough, can never take that risk to play with other people. It just, they've got too much at stake. Um, but I think humble people can. So for me, it, it, humility is the root for for all of this. Yeah, it kind of brings all those other things out. Brian, what about you? So like empathy, creativity, memories, relationships, restorative presence, like what, what how do you think that that maps well with spiritual practice? Yeah. No, I, I agree with what Chris was saying. I was just thinking about um we you know, Clayton, you and I our family spent the uh this a week together up in the mountains in Colorado yeah. and I was thinking about the kids playing in the lake and how cold it was. <laughs> and I had you know, and they were kind of creeping in and all this kind of stuff and um you know, I had this inkling to like go jump in and just like splash them all. But it was like I was in the hot tub and it felt really nice. There was like this mental wall that I had to like, like you kind of have to push through it and just go and be ridiculous. Um, and I was able to do that. It was really fun, but, um, you know, and it's like this, <laughs> this really like, um, I don't know, just like a real sense of like, I don't like, what am I holding on to? And like, what I just have to like bust through this and, and to, to kind of be authentic and be fun and to enjoy this moment and make a memory. Um, and I think like, the identity piece there, the like, what are we, what are we placing our worth, um, and, and how people see us and what are we like the things that we stack up on, um, like our identity to, to kind of appear a certain way, you know, it's like, it's yeah. such a good exercise to like break that down and like trust that like who God says we are is enough. Um, and I could just kind of show up and just be, and be real and be, you know, be goofy 
Um, and uh, there's nothing, I don't need to impress other people, that kind of stuff. Like there's such a good, um, good benefit in, in, in kind of leaning into that stuff. I, so you said exercise and that, that makes me connect this back to the idea of, you know, I've heard all the time that like play for children actually equips them. You mentioned resilience, Clayton equips them for the tough things in life. So like if you, if you pretend to play hospital, kids will actually be more equipped. And in case of an emergency, that sort of thing. And I wonder, Brian, if what you're saying is, is a similar version of like playing allows us to break through the wall of our own reserve and serious, you know, absorption with self. And the stakes might be low if you're, you know, if you opt out of jumping into the ice cold water, that's right. fine. But if you do that enough in those silly fun moments, that actually I think might train you in other moments when courage is required because you've trained yourself to be like, you know what? Looking like a fool doesn't matter here. Yeah. Because I've chosen to look like a fool in a lot of circumstances and right. it's okay. Um, almost like play as training wheels for true acts of courage. I'm, re I'm really interested here in the fact that it's like there's a certain amount of vulnerability and humility and a space necessary to play. But then also that play helps you cultivate the humility and the space and the relationships and that are healthy for kind of a, a wholehearted life, which would be Brene's Brown word on this, like that it's giving you this kind of well-rounded piece here. And that that loop is really, really good. Chris, I also agree with you that I think humility, there's something about humility and vulnerability that is the root of allowing yourself to break through the wall. Um, but I, I want to make the case, Brian, I remember, I mean, if I have, I'm trying to think of the memories from that mountain trip. And, and I think anybody listening could think about a more, most, most recent trip and try to think of the memories that just pop out in your mind. The memories that pop out of my mind, 100% number one is you running into that cold lake. Like, I, I just, it was hilarious. <laughs> we ran in, you belly flopped into it. I mean, it's mm -hmm. freezing. All the kids started screaming. Second, I remember do, doing like hitting the wiffle ball with Charlie outside. Yeah. It, like a seeded memory. So I want to make the case that the memory aspect of play for me personally, is why I think this is so important to infuse into spiritual practice. And I don't mean infuse like we're adding something else into spiritual right. practice. Spiritual practice is necessary. Like it does, God does something in us when we engage with him and we're not adding something else onto what God is going to do in us. But in terms of memory, I think it's important because like think I want my girls to have memories. I know that they will have memories from their childhood. And I would like some of those memories to be distinctly spiritual. Yeah. And now I'm beginning to think in or a way to make them have memories that are distinctly spiritual is to have distinctly spiritual moments that are playful and fun. So like, how do we get those things in there? I, I think ends up being really, really important. There, um, one other book that I'll reference here, uh, in the power of fun, I think I've already quoted her one time, but uh, she talks about three things necessary for fun. Interestingly, one of them is play, right? So she's she's di distinguishing between the two, and we've we've kind of been using the the words um, simultaneously. So to have true fun, you need playfulness. This is what we've primarily been talking about: connection, so other people, and flow, meaning everyone's enjoying it. It's kind of a feed forward situation. Everybody's truly in the in the moment or in into the activity. And then she breaks down those three different things and she kind of compartmentalizes them together and talks about what they are um, otherwise. So here, here's an example. 
playfulness and flow together is when you engage in like a, a, a hobby by yourself, uh, like a crossword puzzle, or you're making a craft, right? It's play, it's fun, but you're by yourself. You're not connected to anyone else. That's playfulness and flow together. You can have playful connection. She said most of the time, playful connection is in very small bursts. When you like give somebody a glance, it was playful. We're laughing at something together and we and we, we made a connection together in that moment. Uh, that can create a memory, but that's not true fun. She wouldn't call that true fun. And then the most interesting uh, two combination to me was connection and flow. So I'm connected to other people and I'm truly embedded in the moment and I'm, I'm vibing with the moment. And he says that can happen in an intense conversation or a religious service, for example. She's actually saying, if you take the fun, if, if you're, you're almost having fun, but if you take playfulness out of it, that's, that's Jesus, that's the Jesus stuff. But I'm like, oh man, that's unfortunate. How do we put the, play, we put the playback yeah. in? Yeah. I, I, um, I don't know. You guys watch the chosen. No. Many people have. It's, I think it's, it's wonderful. I've heard of the book. Yeah. <laughs> How many times have you said that? Once. <laughs> As the first time. I'm the first person ever to have made that joke. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's completely new. Good for you. Um, one Sorry, guys. Just trying to be playful. My fault. I'll be. I'll be more. I'll be more serious. Don't apologize for that. You win. Uh, one of the one of the beautiful things about the show is how they take uh, just very very straightforward, you know, examples from the text of the Gospels, and they just they give it more time, and they spend a little bit of time imagining what this would have looked like in real life, and they do great research, so it it, it tracks, and you're like, that's that is probably a very good guess. And um, there's this whole episode about Jesus with the little children, and he's very playful with them. And you have to imagine, like, if Jesus interacted with kids as much as the Gospels say he did, even said, like, the disciples were trying to keep all these kids away, and he was like, no, bring them on. Let the little children come to me. There's no way that happens where the kids really want to rush to this guy if he's boring, if it's yeah. not fun and playful. And so um, I think it's a shame that religion and the Jesus side of life is one where we think we can be connected and have flow. But if you play, I don't know, that's something else. It doesn't belong there. Cause I, I, I don't think, I don't think that's how Jesus practices religion, practiced his, his religion, or it's not what he invites us into. Yeah. That's, that's, that's super interesting that of how to think about that moment and what must be true about Jesus in that moment in order for the children to be interested in coming uh, to him. Um, so I think we need to make prayer more like, more like gambling. That's what we're doing, right? Gambling, super fun. What? Lights. <laughs> this is a joke. Lights flashing. Good. Yeah. We need to make prayer more like horse racing, right? Where it's like, you know, ah, oh, here it comes. They're coming around. That's what church needs to be a little more like. I don't, how do we make this practical is the question. So I, I want to do, do three things on like, let's just think for a few minutes on how we can actually you know, change something today in order to make this more the case. So first thing I want to say is I think we need to be more playful in our practices. I don't know how to do this. I'm asking you, how do we be more playful in our practices? Meaning, um, I mean, prayer Sabbath might be the easiest one in order to just to, just to tee it up a little bit for you. Um, reading when we're doing our spiritual practices and you imagine one of your children coming into the room, can they engage in it with you? Are they interested? Like the kids were interested in Jesus. Are they interested in what you're doing 
And can we make little tweaks to our practices in order to be more playful for ourselves, but also make it more available for our kids? Any, you guys have any ideas on that? Well, so you guys have said the word imagine a lot of times that I think um, imagination is a piece of of this too. Mm -hmm. Um, It's something that I feel like in the last couple of years, it's something that I've tried to engage more and learned that maybe it's okay uh, to be imaginative when it comes to prayer, uh, when it comes to um, communing and connecting with God. And so, you know, in, in terms of infusing imagination into some of these practices i think there's something playful in that um and i trusting in uh i've heard the term baptized imagination this idea of like the spirit uses our imagination to like fuel our affections and connection with with god and um there's something like fun about that i think um of like the creativity that kind of resides within you um, and the creativity of God and just kind of like using that, like leaning into it, um, when it comes to time with time in the scriptures, time, um, in prayer. And so I do think that's an important piece of this too. Uh, so like using that just in our personal connection with God. Um, but then how does that then, you know, fuel the external kind of practice with, with our families or, or with the people around us. I think yeah, you, you say an imagination makes me think of something that I hadn't thought of yet in this space in terms of making our practices more playful. It makes me think about meditation. Like meditate. I, I think that meditation doesn't have to be serious. It can be right. But meditation doesn't, it like, and meditation doesn't have to be silent. Right. So thinking about something, dwelling on something, Letting it like really kind of sink, seek in, sink in, soak in. Like if if I was praying, if I was meditating on something, on God, who He is, the the creation, how He has created it, it's something that I could bring the girls into. And if I brought them into it, immediately there would be, it it would open up the box of how I was thinking about it. Right? It would be much more wild and crazy, and there would the boundaries. That, that I put in place that don't necessarily have to be there for it to be what I think of as serious is, uh, yeah. I, so I, that's really, uh, that's helpful, Brian, to, to think about that. I mean, Sabbath is also the one that did come come to my mind is that Sabbath isn't yeah. just stopping and being boring. Sabbath is in, enjoying and celebrating. It's practicing. Chris, you said before, it's like Sabbath is weekly. It's practicing celebration. Uh, fasting is this limiting ourselves uh, um sabbath is letting ourselves go um right and i think that um that could be something as well what about you chris anything kind of you're knocking around there uh you know again you could start uh, i I come to this with we've said this several times it feels like you can start in any place and it feeds into the others Mm -hmm. so if you want to know like for me the reason that I'm more playful when I think of scripture is that I have a nine-year-old and a five-year-old in my house, and I try to incorporate the Bible in a lot of what we're doing. Yeah. And as I'm honestly trying to translate to their terms, I, I it has, it, it's got to be on their level. And so um, the more you could put yourself in that context of young children, I think the more likely you're going to have to try to adapt what you're doing to yeah. accommodate, like, and when you start to accommodate them, you realize that in singing, say, Jesus Loves Me, or in reading the Jesus Storybook Bible, 
there's a wealth of value for you as an adult too. That it's oh, it's gosh. not just accommodating. Yeah. But that you you recognize I've gotten something different out of this that I would have without the influence of a child as my co-learner in this moment. Yeah. Oh, and but also a co-worshipper, right? Have you ever been yes. in a worship gathering and they, they sing like a kid song and everybody does the motions and stuff? More of that. That that's yeah. I think that's like another aspect of it. Chris, I really enjoy your writing in The King is Coming. I enjoy your writing in general. But um, you know, our girls know that Jonah was running from God because he went left her. You know, I mean it's like <laughs> right. No, that and and when you read the story of Jonah, you don't you don't kind of chuckle at that. But the way that you've written it and kind of brought it down to that accessibility, I think it it makes it that way. You know, I, I already said this quote, but um perfectionism doesn't leave space for playfulness. I think one thing we can do for spiritual practices, all of them is don't feel the need to be perfect in them, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. which allows for playfulness to happen if the opportunity arises. Um, yeah. You don't have to be perfect in it. So, all right, number one, be be more playful in your practices um, and, and posture yourself in that way. Number two, say yes in advance to the playful moment. Um, the, the enemy of play, the enemy of fun is busyness and distraction. So if you're busy and distracted, it's very hard to be, playful and have fun. Brian thought about this in terms of the space and the people that you're around. What I'm saying when I say, say yes in advance to the playful moment is I think we need to have in certain certain places in our minds, certain things that our kids would ask us to do, be willing to say yes when they ask at certain times. The example for this is, I mean, Advent Blogs, Gratitude, that we got, I get this idea from if our girls say, hey, can we do the Gratitude? I'm always going to say yes. And in advance, Unless I am, you know, actually in a meeting, I'm, I know that I'm going to stop looking at my phone. I'm going to stop reading the book. I'm going to stop, you know, whatever I'm doing to say yes to that. And I think that it would be helpful for us to, in advance, agree to ourselves that we're going to say yes to certain things that are playful a little bit more often. If your kids ask you to dance, dance, you know, does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, I think I read this from Trevin Wax, the, the Gospel Coalition, years ago. I, I might be misattributing that, but he said he had for himself the five-minute rule. And because uh, you know what happens is you have legitimate responsibilities, and your kids want to do something. And you're thinking, I mean, I just can't take an hour to go play this game with you. So what he gave himself permission to do was to say, "Or right, I'm going to say yes to the interruption or the invitation, and I'll say I'm, I'm going to do this with you for five minutes," and that like opened up a lot for him. Sometimes that was enough. The kids loved it. He had a nice break. And other times he realized five minutes in that he had more time that he could have given to it. But that, that I find that very liberating because you, you know, you do have demands. You can't just stop and say yes, always, but you could say, all right, when this shows up, I'll give it at least five minutes. Yeah. And, um, well, if nothing else too, like if, if you believe that playfulness is good, and you're open to opportunity, and you are confronted with the opportunity, but you have resistance. Like there's a there's a benefit to that of like why am I not I why am I saying no to this or what is what is holding me back? And I think that like if we if we can enter into uh, life with a playful posture and then see where things are push holding us back, it's like I think that's that's a good exercise even in that of like okay, there's something I'm holding on to that I probably need to like give to God or, you know, kind of work through and, and see like, okay, what, what are these things that I'm maybe holding on to a little too tightly? Yeah. So that it seems like great benefit just to like 
just go in with with that whether you're playful or not but like just to like okay why why am i not playful oh that's really interesting so it's like it and in particular if you have kids like their your resistance to engaging in their playfulness if humility is the root of playfulness might be showing you something like you're learning from them in that moment that's pointing out to you something that doesn't have to be there that 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 that's really good brian that is actually giving that type of feedback but it's not he's right that it is it's a moment for introspection and there's a lot of answers you could have to that question which is why leaning into it i think is really valuable to to learn about yourself it's a it's a moment to learn more about yourself to pay attention to what's motivating you and what's holding you back and I, we can't answer for everybody what those things will be which is why it's really valuable to to try and you yeah. can do it for yourself and, as it comes and, up. And sometimes it might be, hey, um, we're not going to do that right now because we're we're not in the place for that, right? Like, hey, sure. let's play and dance to this Taylor Swift song. It's like, sweetheart, we're at a funeral right now. So we yeah. can't, we can't, we're not. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. So it's not that, it's not that the kids are getting it. It's not always getting, yeah. getting yeah. it all right, right. But we do have fair, to follow them. Fair. So this is the, this is the last thing. So it's, uh, say, be more playful in your brightest Say yes in advance to the playful moment. And, th- and then almost doubling down on that, follow the fun. And that means often following your kids into the fun. Uh, the, the kids were in the lake first, right, Ryan? And then you said, yeah. all right, well, I guess, I guess we're, I'm going to push through that sure. and go into it. Um, so convictionally, uh, one of the authors of the, the fun habit said, um, kids are not only a great source of fun, but they're also among our best teachers. So they actually can lead us into that um, and show us what humility and vulnerability look like when they make a goofy move or roll around on the floor or, you know, it's like, hey, there's something there. Like they're comfortable. Celebrate in that moment that they're comfortable doing that with you and that they still feel that they feel that ability to be vulnerable with you. Um, Sometimes they feel that ability to be vulnerable because they're not thinking about you, but like there's still something neat in that. And then, and being able to follow that, um, follow them in it. So I think we need to follow our kids in the fun as well. Yeah. I had this thought too, and Chris, when you were talking about kind of like your, your kids and, and reading scripture to them and things like that, I think following them in curiosity and wonder is also really helpful. I think we, we tried to have this like sense of certainty and like, we know everything when it comes to the Bible and with faith and, and God, and we want, you know, we want to be a source of authority for our kids, but there's something really beautiful about just being curious too in our relationship with God and like not always having the answers and like w- desiring to just see things new or um, to be okay with some of the ambiguity. Like there's some crazy stuff in scripture and stuff that doesn't always make sense. And it it's okay to like wonder about that and be curious and not kind of brush it aside or you know it's like I think there's something beautiful about just engaging with those things in like a really fun and like god why did you say that or you know or why why is this story in here you know and it's like there's a beauty that like draws I think uh intimacy um when we when we can kind of approach things curiously and playfully um that that we can miss if if we're so serious and, and uptight about everything and it's yeah. related to that perfectionism piece, right? I can't yeah. be curious. I can't be playful if my spiritual practice is all about getting it right every time. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, kids remind you that you should be playful. You should ask tough questions. And sometimes you don't have the answers for them. And that's that's okay. That's part of the beauty of the relationship yeah. with God is there will always be more curiosity and wonder. Yeah. 
Well, wow, guys. I mean, there, there's a whole lot more here than I even anticipated. I mean, I think there is a an open handedness, um, a vulnerability that at, at the core of some of this that is that is enlightening and helpful, and I think helpful for memories and helpful for spiritual practice. So, if you're listening today, hopefully, um, you have been prompted in some way to consider something new um, about your spiritual practices to be a little bit more playful. We've we've prompted you to think more about God today. I've enjoyed the conversation. Hopefully you ha- you have as well. Yeah. Um, so, hey, we're going to keep doing stuff like this. So subscribe to the podcast so that you can listen to the whole mini series, listen to our habits and holidays, which are, in my opinion, very, very fun. Um, we, we have no shortage of that in those times. But for now, thank you for joining us this time on the Good Calendar Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Good Kind Podcast. We hope you leave feeling more equipped to engage with God and one another in your habits and holiday practices. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, like, and comment. We're excited to share more content with you soon. Don't forget, you can find us online at www.goodkind.shop. Thanks for listening and see you next time on the Good Kind Podcast.